Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. Well, good morning, everybody. How good is that? Yeah, you having a good morning? can feel some zest and zeal in the house this morning. can hear it. I love it. I love good feedback. love that. How good are our youth guys? They just they keep, keep me on my toes. I was expecting Ben coming from that side, and then he's over there. It was so good. And how, how good is our service going this morning? Like I've just, I love being in the house of God with you guys and, and worshiping together. It's just it's such a beautiful opportunity. But yeah, just welcome. Good morning. My name's Jordan. Um, I oversee care and development here at Oasis, um, pastoral care. Um, I'm also the maintenance guy. You know, you can blame me for the, the weeds that are overgrowing out there. I'm also a furniture maker. Um, I'm a husband to the lovely Laura. I just want to honor her. She's amazing. My little boy Jack, he's a, he's a trooper. He's, he's a pocket rocket. Now, you might have heard, and you might be wondering why I'm up here, because I saw an Instagram post that Christy was meant to be here today, so I'm really confused. I don't know why I'm here. But um, shout out to Pastors Ewan and Christy and all the Blakeys. They have COVID again. Oh, brutal. But they're doing just fine. The sad thing is they had to um, postpone their USA trip, which is so sad. Um, really sad. So I thought we could do something this morning um, that you guys could do a little shout out to them. They're not going to be able to see you, but hopefully they can hear you when I hold the mic out. Um, just so that they know that you're praying for them and that you love them. So I want just you to all shout. When I hold the mic out, just shout, we love you, all right? You ready? Good job, guys. I hope you heard that. You and Christy, we love you guys. But I just, I just love to pray for all of us um, as we kick off the sermon this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are truth. I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present this morning inside each of us and that you are guiding us into all truth. Amen. Amen. Well, my topic this morning is, is one we're wrapping up our um, discipleship series, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is our sixth week we've been talking about it. Um, it's been so good. We've heard from so many members of the team. been talking about the, the six hallmarks of an emotionally healthy church. And the sixth one I have to talk to you about today is every person in full-time ministry. Every person in full-time ministry. That might be a bit confusing. We're just going to unpack that a little bit in a little while. But first, um, we've got some credential forms. Um, we're going to get the ushers to hand them around now. Everyone, everyone here is going to get ordained today. Um, we're going to all get a pastor tag, a little PS. Um, and every, every Sunday, it's going to be so good. It's going to be like morning. Hey, how are you going, Pastor Bill? Pastor Sharon, good to see you. Pastor Timmy, how's he doing, little guy? I heard you have a little pastor on the way. It's going to be good, right? Does it sound good? Everyone feel okay about that? We're also going to quit our jobs. Um, we're we're going to ignore, ignore our kids. Uh, we're going to stand on the roundabout out there. Um, and we're just going to just try and badger people until they come in the door. Just say, how do you guys feel about that? We're not going to do that, obviously. I'm being a bit silly. Hope you're waking up a little bit if you weren't already. In all seriousness, 
Jesus is not in the business of dividing sacred and secular work. A big part of Jesus' ministry is breaking down of those mental barriers. And we think some work is holy and some work is not. We think the work in the church is different to the work in the world, like it's one and the same. It goes together. So what are we really talking about here? Why should every person be in full-time ministry? I want to share some statistics with you. They're going to pop up on the screen. We had our 2021 census results start to come out um, this week. From 2021, the results, they, they, they work hard. These guys must work hard to get the data happening. Um, there's a lot of, you know, millions of people responding. In 2011... 61.1% of Australian census respondents nominated Christianity as their religion. In 2016, this had declined to 52.1%. And last year, it fell even further to 43.9% people saying, I'm a Christian in 2021. 38.9% of 2021 respondents said they had no religion which was an increase from 30.1% in 2016. And I've got to be honest, when I first heard these numbers, I was quite confronted. I was like, aren't these meant to be going up? What is going on? Like, I was a little bit down. I was a bit down about that. Uh, Christianity's meant to grow, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be growing if we look at the numbers. Like, what are we going to do about that? And I want to tell you that God has a plan for transformation in our city, in our communities and in our country. And it goes so much deeper than what we can see yet. It's so much deeper. You know, we haven't even scratched the surface of seeing what God's plan is for transformation in this place. We need to keep going. We need to keep pushing. I love the work of our church. I love that Oasis is an oasis for people to come and get healed. But you know what? An oasis is a refuge in the desert. And it's a watering hole that fuels you for your journey to keep going. So we need to keep going this morning. Now, there's not necessarily a correlation between the amount of people saying, I believe in Jesus on a census form, and the amount of people who are actually making disciples, you know, making disciples of all nations, who are changing lives, the people who are transforming the community. You know, we, we don't know. We don't know the details, but these are the numbers that we have, and we shouldn't ignore them. We also shouldn't mope about saying, oh, no. They're not doing a very good job. People aren't ticking the Christian box anymore. What's going on? Let's use this information as motivation to see change in our community, in our city and our country. Let's use this information as motivation. Don't be downcast, church. Use it. Use it for fuel. We need every single person in full-time ministry to transform our communities. We need to take responsibility for the broken places in our world so that they can be transformed. It's our responsibility as God's servants to look to Him, to co-labor with Him, to figure out what the work is that we have to do with God, walking together, taking the Holy Spirit with us out these doors and into our life to see him transform this place. I want to remind you of some truths this morning. I want to remind you that you are sons and daughters of the King. You are seated in heavenly places. You have the mind of Christ. 
the resurrection power of God, the, the power, the energy that made the worlds, the creator, the creator, the alpha and the omega, he lives inside of you. He lives. He lives inside of you. The power, the power is there. It's there. The Holy Spirit is there. He wants to give it to you. He wants to give you access to the power of God, the transforming power of God, the love of God to make a difference in our world. Every single one of us has a unique calling. Every single person here, you're unique. You're unique. There's no one like you. You have a fingerprint that matches no other. You have a unique calling, but we all have the same purpose. I want to say that again. Every single one of us has a unique calling, but the same purpose together. We're going to look at a couple of verses. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. That word called is the word kletos in the Greek. It means divinely selected and appointed. And that word purpose is prothesis. It means setting forth a plan or proposal. You have been divinely selected and appointed, each and every one of us, for God's plan and purpose on the earth. So let's have a closer look about what our purpose is on the earth and what is our authority on the earth. And then we're going to talk about our calling after that. We're going to look at a couple more passages. God's first address to mankind at creation and Jesus' final words to his followers after his resurrection before he ascended to heaven. So we're going to read Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We are called to be fruitful. We're called to be fruitful. We're called to increase in number. We're called to subdue the earth and rule over it. That was God's plan from the very beginning. God gave us a purpose and the authority to complete it. We're going to look at another passage from Jesus and unpack that a little more. First, I want to touch on after this this word in Genesis, when God commissions Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over everything. In Genesis 3, we know that Adam disobeyed God and Eve. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They ate the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree that God told them not to eat, the one tree. So they disobeyed God, but not only did they disobey God, do you know what else they did when they disobeyed God? They obeyed the devil. They obeyed the devil. And in doing so, Adam gave away his authority, the commission that God had given him. He gave it away to the enemy because he obeyed him. Let's fast forward to Matthew 28. 
16 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. So what did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And when, when God in the Bible says all, he means all, all authority. God gave authority to man in the beginning. And then man gave it to the devil by obeying him. But Jesus came as a man and through his life, his death and his resurrection, one of the things he did is he won back our authority. He won back our authority. He had to come as a man because we as men and women gave away the authority to the enemy. But he triumphed over the enemy and he gave back our authority to us as sons and daughters of God, as created beings, reflecting the image of God and ruling, subduing, making disciples in this world. Now, if you have authority over something, um, you have a responsibility in that area, right? You have authority over something, you have responsibility. So we have authority over this world. So what happens in this world is actually our responsibility. It's Christians' responsibility. What's happening? What's happening on your street? What was happening when I saw Maddington Kmart get robbed the other night? That's my responsibility because I have authority on this earth. And I won't digress too long, but I, I probably didn't use my authority very well. I went a little bit vigilante and I tailed these guys in my car. I called the police. Maybe I should have prayed. Maybe I should have done something different. I'm not really sure. But I got a bit of sense of justice about me. I wanted to see it done. But the darkness of this world is our responsibility, guys. We need to stop trying to shut the darkness out of our Christian way of life. We need to stop holy huddles where we just try and make everything good in here and not worrying about what's out there. Because we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. We're not the light of the church. We're not the light of the church. You're a city on a hill. You can't hide. If the world is getting darker and darker, and you might, you might feel that today. You might have seen that this week. You might be believing that right now. But if the world is getting darker and darker, do you know what it means? It means we've covered up the light. It means we've covered up the light. It can't shine. It's not illuminating the earth. We need to take the light into every area of society and displace darkness. Darkness isn't actually a thing. It has no power. It's just an absence. It's just a waiting to be filled. We need to take the light into our communities So now we have our authority back. What's our purpose? Our common purpose is to walk in the authority Jesus has given us, to go and make disciples of all nations, as it says in Matthew, and to be fruitful and increase in number, as it says in Genesis. Now, a quick note here about discipleship. I think sometimes we can have a really formal understanding of discipleship, but do you know, Jesus didn't say go and make believers. He said go and make disciples. Anything that you do to share God's good news, to share His truth, to share wisdom, is discipleship. Anytime you share with someone, anytime 
you tell someone about the things of God. You are discipling them. We need to make this simple, guys. It, I love mentoring relationships. I love coaching. We're, really, we're good at that, I think, at this church. But it's not all about that. It's not all about the formal. It's about the informal. That is discipleship. Our whole life's purpose is about expanding the kingdom of God. Our whole life's purpose is about expanding the kingdom of God. What is expanding the kingdom of God? It's increasing God's dominion on the earth through making disciples and discipling nations. It's making earth look like heaven. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means we ask God, how does heaven operate, Lord? Lord, what, do you, what does it look like up there? And then we walk that out and we endeavor to make this world look like God's kingdom. That's how the kingdom comes. We listen to the Holy Spirit and in everything we do, in our work, in our sleep, in our families, in our friendships, we ask God, what does heaven look like? How do I make heaven how do I make this world look like heaven? How do I do that with you, Holy Spirit? What are you doing, Holy Spirit, already that I need to get on board with to make this world look like heaven? Now, isn't all this stuff just for professional Christians? Just for people who get, who get paid to, to do the Christian thing. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. My job this morning is to equip you guys, all of us, those who work for the church, it's their job to equip all of us. We all need equipping, right? To do the works of service. It's not just a small few who do the work of God and the work of service. It's all of our responsibility and our calling and our purpose. Your purpose is to do the work of expanding the kingdom through making disciples in your everyday life. I touched on it before. Jesus doesn't separate between sacred and secular. He says, take your everyday life and, and lay it at his feet as an offering. All our work is part of his purpose. So what about our unique calling? We have a purpose, making disciples, subduing, filling the earth. But what, what our new, about our unique calling? What about me? How, do, how does my life, my job fit into the big purpose of God? We're all part of a body. Christ's body, capital C Church. And it works together to accomplish God's purpose. And each part of the body has a unique role to play. We are all part of a body, Jesus' body, which together accomplishes God's purpose. And each part of his body has a unique role to play. You have a unique role to play. The whole Bible 
is about God calling people. Noah and his family are called to build an ark. Abraham's called to be the father of many. Moses is called to be a leader. Nehemiah is called to oversee construction. Isaiah and Jeremiah are called to prophecy. David and Solomon are called to be kings. Matthew is called to follow and to write. Peter is called to build the church. Paul was a tent maker and called to the Gentiles. Mary was called to be the mother of Jesus. I want to tell you just a little bit about my calling journey. Uh, when, I, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be an engineer. Uh, my brother did engineering. Uh, my, brother, my dad studied um, metallurgy, and um, I was okay at maths and science. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. I didn't really think a lot about it. I wasn't particularly connected to myself. didn't really know who I was. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go study engineering. That's going to be great. And I lasted six months. Um, the, maths, the maths was just killer. Credit to you if you're an engineer out there. Uh, then I, I tried teaching. I discovered a desire to teach. I discovered a desire for creativity, um, for, for helping people. And I was still on a journey. I was still wrestling with it. I studied product and furniture design. I came out with an ever-useful Bachelor of Arts. It's just, oh, it's just, oh my goodness. I'll pray for you later if you have a Bachelor of Arts. I hope you'd, you've used it more than me. But I actually work as a furniture maker as well, as a, a part-time. And in that work, I've just discovered a desire in myself for craftsmanship, for excellence. And um, it stretched me to, to hear God in my perfectionism and to, to pursue excellence and not perfection. It's made me passionate about business, about entrepreneurial ventures. I also had some church hurt thrown in there in my calling journey. Laura and I, you know, we had a rough time at our, at our previous church before Oasis. It wasn't easy. I know, you know, Oasis has, has prophetic words about being a, a home uh, and a healing place for broken leaders. And I've seen that to be true in a lot of your lives, you know. The church, you know, it's, it can be full of broken people and hurt people hurt people. You know, we're all on a journey. And out of that church hurt, uh, a big part of what happened for me was what had been awakened in me in, in, that, in that season and amazing moments with the Holy Spirit and, and discovering who I was in Christ. Um, you know, the pain came and I, I buried my calling. I didn't know I'd buried it. I was just hurting. Um, and three years later, like, Oasis is just such a blessing to us. Like, we came to Oasis and we just went on a healing journey. And three years after we'd come, uh, we were at, we were worshiping. We were at worship at Tamara Drive at Oasis Chapel. We love to call it. And I just found myself just totally unexpectedly shouting, shouting in worship, "Dig it up, Lord! Dig it up! Dig it up, Lord! Dig it up!" And I didn't know. And I had tears. And I realized that I had buried the calling on my life. I had buried what God had put inside of me. And I wonder this morning how many of you, you know, it's understandable, out of pain, out of life circumstances, how many of you might have buried something in your life. There might be something great inside of you that's waiting to be uncovered if you just ask the Lord to dig it up. If you just ask Him. If you just be willing to acknowledge that maybe you're better than you think you are. Maybe He's put something inside of you that's more amazing than you could possibly imagine. Ask Him to dig it up. Be brave. Be brave this morning. 
I've been recently discovering my calling to serve and care for others, to lead and spur others on in their walk with God. And I'm loving that. And I, I don't know how my work and my study and my prophetic words, my life is going to come together. I don't know why we chose to build a, uh, buy a broken down house in Thornley and we spent the last three years with blood, sweat and tears renovating it and wondering why. I don't know how it's all going to come together. But one of the fundamental things we need to know about calling is that it's not all about me. Your calling is not all about you. It's not about my career advancement, my personal fulfillment. Calling's about obedience. It's about being faithful with what we've been given. And often we get the blessings as well. You know, you see it a lot in the Bible. Those who are faithful, God actually blessed. He blessed them. You know, a lot of people, you know, can accuse of, oh, that's, that's just prosperity. Well, if you don't want to be prosperous, you know, maybe you don't want to live in heaven where the streets are paved with gold, you know? Maybe you don't want to walk in the gates coated in pearl. Often we get the blessings as well, but it's about our obedience and our faithfulness to the call and the, the skills and the talents and the abilities that God has put in our life. But our purpose is always the same. It's to be fruitful and multiply, to make disciples of all nations, and to see God's kingdom come and His will be done. God has a unique call on every person's life to fulfill the same purpose. Let's unpack calling a little bit and talk about the parable of the talents. I'm going to read from Matthew 25, starting at 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained you two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where, that I, where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
This parable is all about our purpose and increasing the kingdom of God by using your unique calling. And I just want us to notice four things. The one thing they have in common is they all have the same purpose. Increase my wealth. Increase the prosperity of my lands, of my kingdom. They all have a unique calling, which is a unique amount given to them according to their ability. We all have different abilities, but we all have some ability. And we, we often have different abilities in different seasons and different capacities, but we all have some ability in every season. Second point, the master leaves his treasure with three different people and no instruction. He never gives them instructions. It's implicit in the entrusting of wealth. He expected them to increase and put to use what was in their hands. In other words, what are your passions? What are your skills? What are your interests? What are your abilities? What are the things that come naturally to you? Or what resources do you currently have? Now, culturally, we often say, find your calling. Go looking everywhere for your calling. But biblically, the truth is your calling is you. Your calling is who you are. That's what God wants to use. Lou Engel said, God doesn't create a person and put a dream in them. God takes a dream and he wraps a person around it. You are God's dream in the flesh. You are the embodiment of God's dream, his calling, his purpose on the earth. If you don't know what calling looks like in your life, I want to give you three, three ideas to help you explore it. The first one is, what do you notice? And what bothers you? Do you cry out over injustice? You know? Do you notice crime all the time, like I did that night? Do you complain? Do you complain about the roads? Do you complain about the politicians? Do you complain about the economy? Maybe you are meant to do something about that. Maybe that is bothering you for a reason. Maybe that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Maybe you should ask Him. What battles have you won? If you've beaten something in your life, maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's domestic violence. Maybe it's depression, anxiety, or suicide. I want to tell you that if you've beaten something in your life, there's going to be a lot of people getting free in that area from your ministry. Because your testimony is a spirit of prophecy. It's the empowering to do what God did for you, He can do for someone else. That's your story. That is the power of God in your life. He did something for me. He got me free. And I know He did it. And He can get you free too. You can say that to people. You can say it with confidence because you know what He did for you. And my third point is ask the Holy Spirit. Go on a journey. He'll lead you into all truth. That's his job. And it's also his job to comfort you when you get it wrong. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. He wants to walk a journey with you. He delights in revealing his plan to you, in interacting with you every step of the way, in co-laboring, in conversing. Your calling out there begins with God's voice in here. We need to take the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. And ask him, what are you doing, Lord? What do you need me to do? How do you need me to be in this situation? What have you given me to make a difference here? My third point is God gifts you and then he leaves you. 
And he doesn't leave you alone, but he leaves you because he trusts you. He trusts that you're going to put to work what you have in your hand. He trusts us to use the calling he's given us to bring increase. So don't wait around for God to give you the green light. He's already put things in your hands. You know, if, if you don't know which way to go, just start moving in a direction. Because if you're moving, God can redirect you. But if you're standing still, that's a lot harder because you don't have any momentum. The action of God putting the talents in your hand is the evidence that he wants you to use them. Don't hesitate. Don't stall. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you are moving, God can redirect you. After some time, the master returned to settle accounts with them. And he he wasn't all that happy about the one who buried it. Fear is not an acceptable response when it came to the master. It didn't cut it as an excuse. He's not impressed with us burying our talents. And we know it happens. We know stuff happens in life. But this parable is all about faithfulness. And the question is, will you use what you have been given? Will you use it? It takes faith to use it. It's like, it's like it is with money, like it was in the parable. To start a business, to make an investment, to buy a property, it takes risk. That risk earns a reward if it comes through. The risk we take is our faithfulness, our reliance on God. It's not wrong to have fear. In fact, often fear is a sign that you are moving in the right direction. There's a great saying I love from Chris Valadin. He says, The dogs of doom lie at the doors of your destiny. And when you get close, they bark louder and louder and louder. That's what fear is like. Sometimes fear tells you you're moving in the right direction. We don't need to get rid of fear. We don't necessarily need to be fearless, but we need courage today. We need courage. If you're afraid of doing something, but you know you need to do it, do it anyway. Do it afraid. Ask for courage and do it anyway. Don't let fear stop you today. You're doing what you do every day. Discipling people, loving people, serving people, working as if for the Lord is what transforms a community and expands God's kingdom. The call is to live in the risk, in the faith of risk and move towards, towards where God is leading us. The call is to live in the faith of risk and move towards where God is leading us. I'd just love to invite the worship team to come back and, and join me. You know, you doing what you do every day, discipling people, loving people, serving people, working as if for the Lord, that is what transforms a community, a city, and a country. In everything you do, doing it with God. The Bible says, whatever you do, it matters less about what you do and who you do it with. Work at it with all your heart, working for God and not for men. You know, I've been challenged with that in my furniture making role. You know, it's just me and my boss. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm just making things out of wood. What's the, what's the meaning behind this? What's the purpose? And, you know, I've started to realize that I'm making stuff for Jesus. And so it can be worship. It can be worship because I'm making stuff for Jesus. And it can be worship and it can be honoring to God because I'm seeking to make my boss fruitful, to bless his business, to work hard. Stay-at-home mums, you work for Jesus. Project managers, 
you work for Jesus. Tradies, you work for Jesus. Cleaners, cooks, receptionists, you work for Jesus. Whatever you do, whatever your job is, you work for Jesus. When you're at home, you work for Jesus. When you communicate with your family, do it to build them up. Make Jesus proud. When you rest, do it for Jesus. Don't just check out with some trashy TV. Do something that nourishes your soul so you can love better tomorrow. When you're driving your car, I need, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I was running late this morning. When you're driving your car, you drive for Jesus. You drive for Jesus. When you do something for someone in need, you do it for Jesus. When you use the wisdom in you to change culture, speak life, encourage, and guide, you do it all for Jesus, and He sees it. He sees it, every little thing. A cup of water given to the least of these. You do it for Jesus. In Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want to do something bold with you this morning. I hope you're feeling encouraged. I hope you're feeling spurred on. I hope you're thinking about what God is leading you into this week, in the second half of this year, as Asher was praying. I hope you're thinking about where you're walking with Jesus, what He's got for you, what His call is for you in this next season and how that fits into the big purpose that we're all on together. And I want to do something. I want to pray over you. And I want to invite you in a moment to stand with me and declare something. Declare something boldly. I know that we have so many faithful servants in this house. There's just so many people. You guys, every single person here is just so faithful. And so this is not about, oh, you know, I've never served before. and I'm getting commissioned for the first time. You know, maybe it is for you. And that's amazing. But what I want to talk about, what I want you to declare is that you're going to a greater level. You're accepting His call in a deeper way. You're asking Him what He's doing in a place you haven't before. You're willing to question whether you might have buried something and whether He's digging that up. You're willing to pick up a talent afresh and try it out and use it for the kingdom. Use it to bring heaven to earth. I want to invite everyone to stand this morning. I'm going to invite you to repeat this after me. I hope you're feeling courageous. I hope you're feeling bold because these are bold words. These are bold words. These are boastful words. These are audacious words. These are words that could change your life if you do it with Him, if you let Him. I want to commission you to do the work of ministry because every single one of us has a call and a purpose to make disciples of all nations, to change this place, to bring light where there is darkness in our street, in our workplace, in our home, with our friends. All right, I want to invite you to close your eyes and open, open your posture, lift, out, lift your hands if you feel comfortable. And repeat after me. I am called to change the world. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go again. 
I am called to change the world. I refuse to let fear stop me. I have skills, talents, and a calling on my life. I have a common purpose with my brothers and sisters. Together, we will step out in faith. Wherever He calls us, I will take the Holy Spirit with me. Wherever I go, I am making disciples of all nations. I am bringing God's kingdom to the earth. I will not stop until my street looks like Heaven's street. Heavenly Father, I thank You for these bold, courageous warriors in this place. I thank You for this oasis of healing, Lord. I thank You for this place where people can come and re reignite the passion in them, Lord. We bless You, Holy Spirit. We thank You for what You're doing in our lives and we ask You to do more, Lord. We ask You to do more, Lord. We submit to You. We will obey You. We will go. We will make disciples of all nations. We will do it together. We will do it with You. I bless you, Oasis, in Jesus' name. Dig it up, Lord. Dig it up. Dig up those callings. Dig up those skills. Dig up those talents, Lord. Dig it up, Lord. Come on. Come on. Invite Him in. Invite Him in. Invite Him with you. Wherever you go this week, wherever you go, whatever you do, invite Him with you. Take Him with you. The world, the energy that made the world lives inside of you. El Shaddai, God Almighty, lives inside.